0: Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is Philadelphia Phillies mental skills coach, Hannah Huseman. She's a great example of the bright voices we have in the peak performance world. Her mental sweat Mondays have provided a bright spot during COVID. Hannah was a dual sport athlete playing basketball and softball at UT Chattanooga. She has her master's of science degree from UT Knoxville in sports psychology and motor behavior. Prior to working with the Phillies, she worked with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hannah also works with the New York City Fire Department. She has an extensive background in working with athletes, business people, healthcare workers, performing artists, and first responders. Buckle up because Hannah gives great advice and plenty of resources to dive in to help you and your team's peak performance. Let's welcome Hannah Huseman to the podcast. Here with Hannah Hughesman, MScMPC, CMPC, mental skills coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, master's of science degree in sports psychology and motor behavior from Tennessee, certified mental performance coach, and two-sport athlete at UT Chattanooga for softball and hoops. So did I cover everything?
1: <laughs> yeah, what an intro. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> Great to be here.
0: I want to get right into Who are your mentors getting into peak performance?
1: Um... Wow, that's a great question. I honestly, like before I got into the field, I really didn't know anything about it. So I can't even give a mentor, but I will have to say my first mentor really in the field was my first um, internship after I graduated, which was Bernie Holiday, who was the head guy, um, still is the head guy with the Pittsburgh Pirates. um, And he just, he taught me basically how to take everything you're learning and actually apply it, which is a whole other skill in and of itself. So i have him to to give all the credit to that. So,
0: do you feel like fine. implementation is the most important thing?
1: 100%. Without question. You know, i know, and it's it's the question i always ask is what's more important in our field, right? In all different fields, i think this question is valid, but in our field it's even more valid, right? What's more important, the content or the relationship, right? Because you can have all the content in the world. I know a lot of people who memorize the textbook who are way smarter than me. But can't get a job because they can't build that relationship. They, they they're too in the book. They can't apply it. They can't build that relationship. And so to me, relationships come first because you got to get them in the door before you can tell them information. And so to me, to me, it's incredibly important and, and relationship comes first in our in our job. But you have to have stuff to back it up too. You can't just be buddy buddies and not have any content to help them get better. So it's relationship and then close behind it is. How can you make them better? Because they don't want to talk to you if they don't trust you and if you can't make them better. So.
0: And the baseball industry, it's all about relationships. It, it really is. Um, we yep. have been built on relationships. If somebody's going to know somebody, going to know somebody. And that, that's how it works with the baseball industry.
1: Yep, and I haven't even been in it long enough, and it's already mind blowing how those connect. It's crazy. It's a small it world. Really crazy. It's a yeah.
0: the, the six degrees of separation are <laughs> that's what baseball is. It, it really is. Hey, you're a, a dual sport athlete in college, and you said you it really the light bulb went on when you started to work for the the Pirates, um, and you did not think about that at all when you were playing.
1: Nope, we didn't have it at all. So my first introduction ever to sports psychology was the last semester of my college career. Um, I had taken all the courses I needed to take and walked into this elective class was like, okay, it's sports. My mom actually has her master's in clinical psychology. So she's kind of always pushed the psych side of things, but I've always wanted to be in sports. And I was like, okay, this will whatever sports, psych. Like, this should be cool. And I went into it and I was like, why in the world do we not have this? Why is no one talking about this to us? And it was my you know, I, we were in our spring season and, you know, we had whatever, 25, 30 games left and that was it. That was the end of my career. And I was like a little late now to, to start working on it myself. But as soon as I got introduced, I was like, I need to know every single thing I can about this. And, and I, I think this is like why I was born and what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And which is probably explains why I'm so passionate about it because I, I wish I would have had it. And now kind of returning that is giving it to everybody I can
0: clinical psych was my track. I, my GRE wasn't high enough. Getting into to graduate school for psychology is a bear. Your GRE has got to be really good. I, took, I studied, I took it the one time and it wasn't good enough. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> had two classes left to finish, thank goodness. And um, got the coaching bug uh, when I was coaching, finishing my last two classes, behavior modification and Experimental psychology were my last two undergraduate classes that I had to take. So behavior mod was awesome because I tracked my sleep habits the entire semester, um, which was something that I was interested in. And uh, seven hours and 20 minutes is what I found. That was my like optimal sleep time. Is it still
1: to this day?
0: It's weird. It it honestly is. It is. It is. It's funny. Like when I I try to go to bed at the same time and- And I try to stay on that routine and I try to get up at the same time. But yeah, it's funny. It is around that 7.20, 7.30-ish 7 yeah. where if I hit that and I wake up, I'm alert and I'm good to go. Yeah. And um, I think that's a misconception with sleep is like too much is not good enough mm-hmm. and, and not enough is not good enough. Like you have to find that each person's different with finding their sweet spot for sleep.
1: 100% agree with that. That's funny. I feel like if I took that class, I'd be analyzing my sleep for the rest of my life.
0: (laughs) Oh, No doubt. Can you talk about Leadership Under Fire?
1: Oh, yes. So Leadership Under Fire is this incredible program um, with this incredible group of guys that's run um, by FDNY firefighters. And I got connected with them when I, so in between my internship with the Pirates and my gig now with the Phillies. I actually moved to New York city and worked for a private practice for about a year and a half. Um, and there I worked with a lot, all different types of performers. So not just elite level athletes, elite level performers. And one of them being FDNY firefighters and it was so cool and what they're basically, so leadership under fire is run by Jason Bresler. Who's an incredible guy. Um, he was a former military, like Marine he's, he's just awesome stud and now he's a firefighter and he's been that for, a few years now probably 10 ish years um but anyway he runs this and basically it's he found the need the same need that like say baseball has realized okay we need somebody to help train our mental performance and they have realized there's a need in firefighting for the same exact mental performance training and so they do this huge comprehensive training um at all different like all over the country um but starting with the firefighters in new york on how to build um resets how to build how to breathing how to handle pressure under stress i mean it's it's so cool because it's the exact same thing the baseball players are dealing with but lives are on the line and and, and it's so cool to talk to the baseball players about the firefighters and the firefighters about the baseball players because you know the baseball players are like i'm never going to run into a burning building are you kidding me but then you have these firefighters who have this mutual respect and are like i could never play in front of tens of thousands of people yeah. and like millions of people watching and so it's like it's so cool. And I think the epitome of mental performance, how every single person can use it regardless of how you're performing. Um, and it's two completely opposite entities, but it's still high level performing and they need the exact same things. Like how you message yourself is a little differently, but it's still the basic same concepts in both, in both worlds. Well, it's so, Learning how to control your
0: classes. physiology, correct?
1: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it is crazy. Like, And we go to New York and they have this training facility called the rock and they actually have buildings on fire and they blind them. And they like, they have to go through these drills and they can't see anything. And it's like, I'm freaking out and I'm the mental skills coach. And they're like, you got to get in these drills. And I'm like, I'm going to watch for a little bit. Like you guys are the experts, but it's, it's truly unbelievable. But if they don't have that, if they don't have any control over their responses to all of these uncontrollable factors, like they're done from the get go. And so it's, a lot of them already have it, but now it's kind of putting purpose with why they do the things they do. And if they don't have a strategy, giving them strategies on how to do it.
0: I mean, how does it work with firefighters to stay away from fight or flight? I mean, you're going into a burning building. How, how, how do they use staying away from fight or flight?
1: Well, they're, they're an incredible group of people, at least the guys in FDM. I mean, like they fear nothing. They literally have no fear. And and like, they joke about it, but like, they are dead serious when it comes to that. And they're also trained to know like, okay, when I'm running into this, I know I'm going to lose my senses. Like, and, and that's, they do a lot of like touching. Like if if a buddy can't bust down a door, like you touch their arm, just like a pitching coach, theoretically, you should go out on the mound. The first thing to do is touch the pitcher's shoulder. just like a little sense of like, Hey, you're here, here we are right here in this moment because you lose your sight, you lose your hearing, you lose strength and all that. And so, I mean, it's, it's, mind-blowing what they do and and it's every time I go I'm just like I'm like because I still work with them a little bit on the side and it's it's so freaking cool but they're bought in because they know how strenuous it is mentally physically emotionally I mean you name it it's strenuous and so it's it's really cool to see them buy into it
0: They've done brain scans of like free climbers, like rock climbers and their risk aversion in their brain is different than, than other people's because, and I would assume it's the same for the firefighters is probably that part of their brain where they're supposed to be risk adverse. They, they don't have that. in there.
1: I mean, they really don't in like anything. And like, even just hanging out and doing stuff, they're always doing the like crazy on edge yes. things. And I'm like, what are we doing? You know, like, don't, don't sit that close to this river or whatever. Like, they, they really don't. It's, it's pretty fascinating. And then they find this field where they excel in, um, which I think is even cooler and where that's a, a huge strength and almost a necessity when it comes to like being fearless. So what about really performing
0: cool. artists? Because I know you've worked with performing artists and I tell people that I was in the theater growing up and yeah, I was never more nervous than being on stage. I, that was so much harder than playing a baseball game. It was easier playing a baseball game than having to be on yeah. stage for three and a half hours and remember your lines and you're in the round and people are staring at you. I was <laughs> so much more nervous in the theater than I yeah. was on a baseball field.
1: Yeah. And it, it's it's cool because I don't really have a ton of experience in the theater world. So working with them was an eye opener for sure, but it was a whole lot of imagery and a whole lot of resetting um because like for them performing right they perform bits and pieces and then they have a couple where they are you know the full walkthrough before but there's really not that many it's like these in individual split up scenes and so for us the biggest things we saw for success was how many times can you rep this out even though you're not physically doing it but let's get all the mental reps in um and let's like really focus on the areas that you know may give you trouble or that you've faltered with in the past that may be um, a roadblock for you in the future. Like, let's go ahead and talk that through. So when you're faced with that, instead of panicking, not only do you like feel more confident in that pursuit, right? Because you've practiced it, but also we've got a plan when all else fails because you know, it's contingency planning 101, right? It's like, we're not going out there and planning to forget our line, but let's say we do let's have a plan instead of panicking, fear, yeah. crying, you know, and then the rest of your day, it's ruined, the whole show's ruined, like, what's something immediately you can do if you forget your lines, or or like, to go ahead and have that, so, and it's funny, because even having that plan makes you more confident in your lines alone, because you're like, hey, you know what, I, I even if I mess up, I got a plan, I'm okay, which, so now if you're okay with messing up, quote-unquote, then you're less worried about messing up, and you're more worried about what you're actually supposed to be doing, like, it's it's really cool how that works, so.
0: And you're a rehabilitation specialist, too, so what about working with the general population? Have you brought into working with professional athletes
1: yeah, so i was I worked at a chiropractic office for a little bit and actually was head of their physical rehab because so my undergraduate degree was in exercise science and thought I was going to be a personal trainer, um some kind of athletic trainer, or something for a long time and so it's it's really cool because my master's degree is how the mind and the body work together to produce optimal performance. And my undergrad was all about how the body worked. And so it's, it's cool to like, just go into situations and be like, this isn't just how your mind works, but let's talk about, okay, when you make this decision, what does your body do? How does your body respond to this? Like even a deep breath, like if you raise your shoulders too high and you're creating more tension, like, do you realize you're creating that tension? And it's like, oh my God, like, right. So a huge piece, I think, of mental performance, which I think is commonly overlooked. is not just, okay, let's get your mind right, but making sure there's a clear distinction between what you tell your mind is going to impact your body immediately. And even the, the subconscious things that you're thinking is impacting your body. Like, look, like, look out here. You you didn't even know what you were thinking, but look at your body. And so it's it's kind of just brings it all together in the ability to, like, it's your mind and your body working together. Because for me, you need your mind and your body to work together to produce the optimal performance. You can't really have one without the other. And so it's a great kind of parallel. So I'm, I'm actually a little biased. I liked that I got into mental performance from the exercise science world instead of the psychology world, um, because a lot of people came in um, into my, in, in my grad school program and from both backgrounds. And if you, didn't, if you didn't have the exercise science background, you had to take the biomechanics, um, the exercise psychology or exercise physiology, all of that in grad school, where I was taking like counseling 101 in grad school. Which is a little more like natural for me to pick up, but my base is still in the body and how the body works, and so it it just set it up for success of just making sure we're it's all encompassing. It's not just the mind. It's not just the body. Um, it's it's how they work together to produce the best performance.
0: And now with your time with the Phillies, so you you've had a diverse background, so that's got to help you with the Phillies now too, right?
1: Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, And I like, like you said, I've played sports my whole life and I have a younger brother who's 21 months younger than me. And so I've kind of coached him and dealt with him and seen it all. So we kind of always joke with him and I'm like, anything I see with the Phillies, like you've prepped me for the last, you know, 25, 29 years. Um, So it is, yeah, it's, it's helpful. The only thing, you know, that I've really had to open my mind about is, you know, we have a lot of players from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela And um, really keeping my eyes open and knowing my own biases and knowing that, you know, I don't speak Spanish, I'm learning Spanish, but and really trying to engulf myself in that culture um, just to make sure I know not only, like, what their education level is and SES and all that stuff, but also, like, where their brain is, like, at all. Like, we're not going to jump into imagery if we need to talk about basic time management skills or basic, um, you need to wake up at the same time in the morning or you need to, like, put your glove in the same place in the locker because you're going to misplace it. Right. It's like basic things. And so it's, it's super important when it comes to that for sure.
0: What are some other cultural differences you notice maybe we're working with Latin players and American players?
1: There's a lot, there's a lot. I mean, and, and, and it's funny because it's this, the big question for us is right. Like they're coming to America. Right. And so we try to teach them the ways of America, but also like, we need to know the ways of their world. Right. And like, an example we kind of always talk about is like in the Dominican, like you can be driving down the street and throw your trash out the window and nobody thinks twice. Right. In America, you could like probably go to jail for that. If you get caught in the wrong place at the wrong time doing that. Right. And so it's like, even little things like that, like down to like basic needs of like how they're raised. And and, like, we, we try really hard to cater the food. to their liking, but even if we make the food that they made at home, it's still not the same. And so it's, it's really hard. So we, you know, we really try to know that there's a big adjustment period and we encourage growth all the time. And, you know, we have Latin coaches and Latin staff who are awesome who try to educate us too. Um, But I think that's always an evolving thing. Like I don't think it's ever going to be enough, right. Because we can't, it's not home. It's not their home, but we, we try to do the best we can. You know, it's definitely more challenging than I think I ever realized it would be. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely admit that. Like there's just so much. And like, you'll want to be like, oh yeah, just learn how to speak English. But it's like, it's so much more than that. It's education, it's food, it's it's bank accounts, it's passports, it's, it's, it's never ending. And so it's, we try to, you know, be the best support system we can from a mental performance standpoint and making sure all of those logistics, like how are those impacting their performance? You know, because of course it is.
0: And learning a new language is hard as you get older because those neural <laughs> pathways harden up. So yeah. the brain, yeah. you can still make adjustments with your brain as you get older, but much harder. Uh, you know, they've done studies mm-hmm. with, with people that are fluent in, in two or three different languages. They they were around, exposed to those languages from the ages seven and under. And after yeah. seven, those neural pathways are probably pretty set. So you can do it but it's uh there's a reason Arnold Schwarzenegger still has his german accent it's true he's been in america for however many years almost mm-hmm. his entire life now but still has his german accent because those neural mm-hmm. pathways are already closed up by the time he got here
1: exactly and it's it's challenging for our job because you know we our, our conversations aren't just like hey how you doing okay see you later bye it's very in depth very personal very real conversations and like if i if i know the bare minimum like like a high and buy, it's like that's not going to get us the connection and the depth that we were talking about earlier, right? You have to have that connection and that trust. And like, if I don't speak your language, like that's going to be really hard to do. So, whether it's a translator or we have two, um, well, technically three um, Spanish-speaking mental skills coaches, and so they jump in whenever they can, and they're awesome um, because our number one goal is to connect. And like, it's really hard to connect if there's that language barrier. But I'm trying. I'm trying to learn. I'm probably not doing as much as I can, but it's like a daily, um, daily decision. Do I want to like further educate myself and like learn more or do I want to learn Spanish? And so you kind of pick and choose on the day what, which one comes first.
0: Do you think male athletes are more willing and, uh, to be vulnerable and open up to a female, um, peak performance coach?
1: I do. Yeah. Um, I really do. And I, you know, that's based solely on my own experience. I heard in grad school once that females may have an advantage when working with males. And I was like, "Hmm, we'll see about that. And you know, I kind of always come back to, I don't think it's an advantage for a female to get into the field. Like, I think I had to work incredibly harder than a male did to get just because it's like, okay, we're looking for male. Okay, you're female. Let's see what you have to offer, you know, instead of just looking. But I think once I got in and um, built that trust, like I absolutely think um, that they are more willing to talk to females than they are to males. And, and I don't know if it's like the mothering nurture, if it's like, hey, I can tell you that I don't feel confident, but it's harder for me to tell another man that I'm not confident because that's guy code. And, you know, in this, there, there's this thing called a man box, right? And like how you have to be in this man box, you can't be emotional, you can't be not confident, you can't lack enthusiasm, whatever. It's like, you have to be this strong, rock, no emotional person. And, and with us, it's like, let's go like, let's have it. Let's let it eat. And like guys cry in my office all the time. And like, it, and it's not even counseling. It's literally just like the buildup of, of the stress.
0: It's a great oh release. Gosh. Crying is a wonderful release.
1: Exactly. And like, if that's, if I can be the one person or one of the mental skills coaches can be the one person that they can come to and feel heard and feel safe and feel like they can express who they are. Just expressing that can impact their performance. Like, I don't even have to say, Oh my gosh, do this, do that. It's like, shut up and listen. And just by listening, it, it, it could change their whole course. You have because to have a shame-free
0: area up. to let it out. Wherever well, that is, whoever that is, like you have yeah. to have a shame-free area to, to let that thing out because um, <laughs> you have to have it because yeah. it, it, if you don't have a release, then it turns into really bad, unproductive releases in other ways. So you have to be able to get yeah. that out.
1: I even had a, a really cool conversation a couple years ago, you know, and it was this guy and he was like, you know, I don't, I can't talk about this with my significant other because she's depending on me for money. So I can't even like say that I'm worried I'm going to get released or something like that because then she's going to fear. But I, and I don't really want to talk about this to the coaching staff because like once they think I'm going to get released, you know, like maybe, and so it's like, you don't plant no that one. seed
0: in the coach's mind.
1: Exactly. And like, and like, he was like, if I call mom and dad, they're gonna be like, Oh, you're okay. And like not, you know, not really understanding. And so I think that's what's so cool about our job is we are, in the trenches, in the trenches with them. We see the work they're doing. We see how freaking hard it is. We know that they could get released any day now, but they don't depend on us for anything. We don't judge them on anything and they can be that, that shame-free zone. And I mean, I obviously I'm biased, but I think that's freaking invaluable in, in any career and in any, in anything that we're doing in life. Like you have to have that place which is why I like love therapy and counseling and think everybody should go talk because if you don't have that place, like like you said, just holding on to that, like it's never gonna be never gonna turn out the way you want it to turn out.
0: Yeah, China McCarney and I were on, um, and it's all mental health and his yeah. his journey with going to therapy and how much it's helped and um Gave some tips for coaches to maybe reach out to their counseling centers and just some actionable stuff. So it was a awesome. good, very heartfelt listen. It was awesome. I was happy that we good. were able to do it. What inspired you to start Mental Sweat Mondays? LinkedIn number two, top 2020 <laughs> top voices in sports. So how did that feel?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. It was like so humbling um, and so cool because, you know, that. That only happens because people are watching it. That doesn't happen because it me like that happens because people are watching. It. And so that was, that was such an unexpected surprise and just like kind of a cherry on top to, to an awesome year um, for mental sweat Monday. But yeah, so mental sweat Monday, it's, I started um, a little over two years ago now. So I guess January of 2019. So we're going in year three now and it's basically a one minute video on different kind of mental performance strategies to implement in your everyday life. Um, that came about because of two, it's two parts. One, everybody always was like, what's a mental performance coach? Like, what exactly do you do? And I was like, I got to educate the world on what mental performance coaching actually is because there's this huge, like, and still to this day, every, every person I talked to is like, here's actually what mental performance coaching is, which is fine. And I think it's a part of our job to educate the public on what we do and to educate the sports world on what we do. Um, and then the second part was you know, one day I just noticed my social media was just filled with like working out, get your workout in, run, eat this, like be so healthy physically and right. Break a physical sweat every day. And it was like literally nothing about mental health, nothing about mental performance. And this was, again, this was close to three years ago. So it's, it's evolving and and, like mental health is becoming more of the topic. And I think it's going to continue going in the right direction, but there was still nothing about mental performance, right? It was like how to beat anxiety, clinical anxiety, clinical depression, eating disorders, but like mental performance and mental health are different, right? That They they have their ties where they're close together, but mental performance is how do you build that confidence? How do you self-talk? How do you practice imagery to, to become better at what you are and be a better version of yourself? And so I was like, I got to do something. I got to put something out there. And I just didn't want to do the cliche quotes and like the videos that everybody's already seen a hundred times. And I definitely didn't want it to be this like motivational thing, like only like because mental performance is so much deeper than just like a rah-rah motivational talk, right? We're not just getting you pumped up for five minutes. We're trying to impact your entire life and impact how you view everything for for forever. And so um, I came up with a one minute video um, named it Mental Sweat with the help of my husband because I wanted people to think about it. Like, just like you break a physical sweat. Like, what are you doing for your mental performance? Like, make sure you're breaking a mental sweat every day too. And it's been awesome. It's been super challenging. It was super uncomfortable at first a lot of great blooper reels are produced I was going to bring it.
0: that up that was my next yeah. question I loved it um Yeah I like for me I guess because I'm older now I just assume that everybody brings baggage in with them and then somebody everybody's damaged in some way and nobody's <laughs> perfect but you know there's so much social comparison on social media oh now my gosh. and so if they just saw just every Monday, they'd be like, man, Hannah, she's got it all together. Like it's one take, mm-hmm. it's one shot. And yeah, I try to get everything in one shot, but it doesn't always, those Friday <laughs> updates I put out, some of those, some days are rougher than others. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. I'll send them to friends and I'll be like, Hey, this is a rough cut. I still got to put it out. But that, that editing was rough today.
1: <laughs> no, it is. And I mean, when I first started, it was like 20 plus takes, like 20 plus takes. I mean, it would take, three four five hours for a one minute video and you know now I've got it down to definitely less than five takes very rarely is it ever one I don't I think one time I've done it once and I was like hold on like I was questioning like if it was I was like hold on there's got to be something but um you know you you definitely get better but it is it is so hard and it's so funny you said that because I got I always get messages around the bloopers I have put two out now one for each year and people are like wow you are real and you're human and like it's, it's so funny because that's what social media does. Yeah. so that's what, that's what I try really hard to remember in my mental performance videos is like, also the reason I'm a mental performance coach is because I've struggled with all these things too. And I've found solutions that work for me and that work for other people that could potentially help you. And so it's always like, I try to make it as real as possible. Like even- the one I did um, this past Monday, it was, you know, all about how I wasn't even going to post a video today. And then I I was in the middle of my workout and had this epiphany to just slow down in my workout. And I was like, I don't need to stop. I just need to slow down. And so it's like, it's just like making it real because I don't want to be like, here's what you do to be the national champion every year. You know, it's like, no, here's what you have to do to get through the day. When yeah, you there's some do ugly
0: anything. days. There's some really yes. ugly days.
1: So trying to make it as real and relatable as possible, I think is, is key. And obviously consistency and enthusiasm help out a little bit too.
0: Do you have a process and how you're going to attack it? I know this week it was about slowing down, but are you writing anything out or does it, does it just come to you while you're working out? Cause that when I meditate, I get a lot of questions that come mm-hmm. out of my meditation sessions that once I'm done, then, um, I feel like I'm way more creative when I'm staying consistent with that practice, but uh, everybody has their yeah. own their own r- routines?
1: Yeah. So mine is basically like, I'm basically aware all the time on if something can be a good mental Sweat Monday video from, from a movie to a TV show. And I like, I have a huge whiteboard um, in my office and I have a little block at the top of it. That's like mental Sweat Monday ideas. And I'll just go right on it. And sometimes it comes from conversations. Sometimes it comes from um, me just sitting here. Like, what do I do when I can't come up with something or, you know, whatever. And, it's funny because I would honestly say about 50% of my middle sweat Monday videos are messages that I needed that day. Yeah. Like our messages where I was like, I'm not feeling it. Or what happens when you doubt yourself or when, when you're making excuses, right? It's because I'm sitting here making excuses for something. And so it's like, okay, how do we deal with this? Um, so it, it does, it comes, it comes up naturally in some days I film two or three videos. And some days I'm filming the Monday video on Sunday night or waking up at 530 in the morning on Monday morning to get a film. So it's, you know, my dad, my dad's always been like, you need to film like 10 at a time so you can rest. And I'm like, I know I need to do that.
0: Well, you get like, out of that it's routine. Awkward. It's hard. Like you yeah. got to try. It's, it's like writers. They have to write every day to stay in that yeah. routine. Cause if you get away from it too long, that's where they get writer's yeah. block. And you have yeah. to try to stay in some sort of routine. All of my ideas go in my, my calendar on my phone. If something pops go. up, it doesn't even have to be at a certain time. I'll put it in in a future date sometimes, but if something pops in that I think is good, I'll just put it. I'll type it in my I phone and then I it goes it. into my calendar and if it's not I in my calendar, it. it does not exist. So <laughs> everything that I feel yeah. like is important um goes into my my phone calendar.
1: There you go. Perfect.
0: Uh, well, do you have a favorite one? I mean, do you have I mean, you've been doing it for 3 years. Do you mm-hmm. have one that sticks out that you you really felt like, "Okay, this is this is pretty good."
1: Yeah. Um, I can't remember which one it is specifically, but I love the one about confidence, um, because that one resonates with me and it's, it's a different message than most people like hear about confidence. So instead of like build your confidence and you have to do this to be confident, it's actually confidence is a feeling. And just because you feel a certain way doesn't automatically mean you're going to perform a certain way. So the whole message is just because you're not feeling very confident that day doesn't mean you're going to go out and perform poorly that day. And, and so it's, it's, it's kind of two messages. It's that it's confidence is a feeling, but then it's also stop looking for confidence in other things. Start looking for confidence within yourself, because like, especially when I was a player, like we were talking about earlier is I was always looking for my source of confidence from everybody around me, significant others, parents, teammates, coaches, never within myself. And, you know, now I'm, I consider myself a pretty confident person in my job now, but that came from me. Like, that's because I instill this confidence in myself. Yes, it's nice to hear people say, Wow, I love your mental sweat Monday, or this talk was so good, or like, we want you to come speak with us, whatever. But the reality of it is, like, it doesn't matter what they say if I don't believe it, if I'm not confident in my ability. And so, the two things I always tell people when they're applying for jobs or trying to get a job, or they're like, How do we get your job? Whatever, it's be confident in your own, in your own ability. People love to be around confident people. Yes. Like not The energy arrogant.
0: is infectious. The energy oh my is God. infectious.
1: And then the second thing is enthusiasm. Yes. People, if you are confident in what you're doing and you freaking love what you're doing and you're passionate and you have enthusiasm, it's hard to be like, nah, screw this guy, you know, yes. or screw this girl. Like, like you're just, you are drawn to them and they love their job. Like, And when you love your job and when you're passionate, and when you're confident, you enjoy it. And when you enjoy it, you're better at it. So it's just like this this ongoing cyclical process of like, if you're doing these things, but you also have to find things you're passionate about. And, and when you do those things, good things happen. So
0: and you flow through your mistakes better then too. Like even if you screw up, if you're 100%. doing it with some passion and some energy, you get you keep going. Like you you get yeah. right back on the horse because you've got some juice going.
1: Yeah. And you're like, oh shoot, you're right. Not scratch that. Next thing. Like, but you're not like like devastated and shut down and taking three steps back. Instead, you're taking a quarter of a step back, and then you're sprinting forward again. Like exactly right. It's, it's, it's really cool how, how that works, but it definitely takes time and practice to create that confidence and to create that enthusiasm. Cause you don't, I haven't always felt this way about my ability. I definitely didn't feel this way about my ability playing sports. You know, I wish I had, who knows what would have happened if I would have been, if I would have had that, but I think was was it a lightning time. bolt
0: moment or is, where, is, uh, okay, I'm going to handle this intrinsically now, and I'm not going to worry about external factors. I'm bringing this in-house with my confidence. Was it a lightning bolt moment, or was it something <laughs> that developed over a period of time?
1: That's a really good question. I think, I think it developed, but I think there was one moment, um, and it was when I was working with the Pirates, I was, and it was an internship. And in baseball, right, there's a bunch of affiliates. And so the three people above me all were at other affiliates and it was just me. And I had been on the job for like a week. And I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anyone's name. I'm the only female. So I stick out like a sore thumb. Everybody's walking by, hey Hannah, hey Hannah. I I literally, the best players on our organization could have walked by and I would not have known who they were, right? And so, but I had to make a decision, right? I was sitting in the little office and I was behind a computer. And I realized like that the majority of this internship, my mentors were gonna be gone and doing their own thing. And I was gonna be here. And so I had to make a decision. I was like, do I stay in here and stay safe and quiet? And like, if anybody wants to come talk, they can make their way in here. Or do I get up, go out there and like, try everything that I've learned, make relationships, talk to coaches, offer to do workshops and like, get out there and be a part of it. And I was like, this is the coolest internship ever. Like no way I'm sitting behind a computer this whole time. And so like, I got up and, and like, I think that's when it was like, totally in my court. And it's funny because it worked and it was great. And I build great relationships with the coaches. We had players in there and like my mentors would come back from um, affiliates and, they, and the office would be filled with people. And I'd be like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this or not, but this is what I'm doing, you know? And like, that was actually one of the like critiques at the end of the internship was basically like, keep us in the know a little bit more. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like I was too busy running with the opportunity that was right in front of me, which was, you know, I learned, okay, Next time, keep them in the loop a little bit better, but I could have just played it safe. And so I think I've never really thought about it, but if there was a lightning bolt moment, I think that would have been it. But I think it was like slowly progressing forward. And then it was like, hey, you're presented with this opportunity. You're going to take it or you're going to like play it safe. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. Like I didn't know anybody. I was wearing men's clothing from head to toe, like basketball shorts, dry fit shirts. Like, and so it was- just Hey, like, I, sorry, I went
0: through the same thing. At University of Iowa, it was a Nike school, so- uh, a uh, large was not a large, it was like an XL. Yeah. So it was all mediums for me. Adidas is, is a little better fit for me, but <laughs> Nike was rough. Cause yeah. I'd have some larges rolling and I'm like, no, I need mediums.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm consider myself lucky cause I'm 5'11", And so I wear, I wear a size 11 in women's shoe. And so it's nine and a half in men. So I was like, luckily I could wear some of their shoes. You know, if I went in there with like as I was six men shoes like I don't know if I would have had shoes so it it was just funny but it's gotten better and like they're so open armed the the Phillies and the Pirates have both yeah. been super gracious as far as females come in. And like, now it's like going and going and going. Yeah, it's so great. It's, this is great for it's baseball. So awesome. This is great for baseball. So awesome. Yeah, hey, do you have
0: you know. any tips on remembering names? Um, because I think everybody goes through that. You go to a new organization <laughs> and you, it's like walking by the hall and you're the new person. So everybody knows who you are yeah. because they've been in that yeah. environment. So they already know everybody else's name. So they only have one mm-hmm. new person to remember their name. <laughs> do you have any tips? Mine was I would look through the the website yep. and look at names and and their and their faces and their names, and I would just go yeah. through because that was something that I tried to pride myself on was even if I got there for a short amount of time was just to remember people's names. But it is hectic when you first get there. Yeah. Do you have oh any my tips? Gosh.
1: It's literally insane. I think that's a really good one. Um, and then I would say my second tip would be don't be afraid to like re ask. So like when you go to introduce yourself and you're too busy worried about saying, "Hey, I'm Hannah." because that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. And then at the end of the conversation, before you walk away, be like, what's your name again? One more time. Yeah. And then chances are like, you'll be like, Oh, it's, it's Bob so-and-so. And they'd be like, what's yours again? Like, and i will be like, Hannah. And I'm like, boom. Okay. So now we've gotten to hear it twice because what's worse is you wait for like a year and then see him again. And now it's like, I definitely shouldn't know your name right now, but I don't. So don't be afraid to ask in the early stages, at least like, Tell me your name again one more time. I'm so sorry. And blame it on you be like, "Oh, I'm the worst. Everybody understands you're the worst with names and chances are they may not know yours either." Yeah. So I think that's like at the And end, say their name in the conversation.
0: In try to say their right. name as many times in the conversation. Yeah. In that initial sure. conversation, try to say their name a couple times in the and conversation so it'll it'll hopefully it'll stick in there.
1: And then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to know everybody and it's all going to be fine. Yes. Like I think it's all part of the beginning journey. Like just yeah. know it's going to be uncomfortable and it's okay not to know. The first time I met everybody at the Phillies, we had a org wide meeting, which we have like once every five years. And that was, the, they had hired a bunch of people that year. So they thought, let's just do it this year. I'm talking 300 plus employees. And I talked on stage. I left knowing eight people's names, right? Yes. Like, because it was the most overwhelming thing ever. But then, you know, fast forward a year and I'm like, oh, I got this. And I mean, even now, they're still rotating constantly. So you'll see someone be like, I don't know who that is. So it's, it's it's having no shame in your game. I yeah. guess it's mine.
0: Yeah. Passion. Own it. it. Just own it. Yeah, Like it's it, okay. if, if you make a mistake on it, it's fine. Uh, just own up. People love it. Like when you up, yeah. own up to mistakes, I, yes. I fully embrace that. I make mistakes. So I'll text people. I'll be like, Hey man, I'm sorry. Like I screwed that up. <laughs> it's my fault. Um, you know, it's it just own up to yeah. it. People love it.
1: I was going to say, the worst thing they're going to say is like, really, you don't know my name? And I'd be like, I know, I'm sorry. And then it turns into a joke and then you'll never forget it. And then, oh yeah, you've started to build a relationship with that person, like win-win. So,
0: you know, in your experience with people that aren't buying in and uh, may not be on the baseball side, but you've worked in a lot of different areas, you know, how are you handling people that aren't buying into what you're trying to do?
1: Great question. Um, And I learned this in grad school, basically go with the goers. So mental skills and mental performance is something that you really can't push onto someone. No, you right? can't. If, if you... They, they,
0: they will fight you. They, they bristle <laughs> oh up gosh. on you. I, I did it and for 22 years and the guys that I really tried to help and Hey, breathe, breathe. They would bristle. And then they'd be like, Hey, stop yeah. talking to me.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really like, okay. So when you have somebody who's like, doesn't even want to hear a word, I'm like, what's up? How are you? Good. We'll talk about anything but mental performance and start to build the base relationships so that when they are ready or it takes them hitting rock bottom or being in a slump or almost being released which sucks because they waited to be reactive instead of proactive about it which i tried to talk to them a lot about but if you don't wait which sometimes it happens it's okay people are hard headed whatever i'm hard headed when it comes to certain things um like so there's no judgment first of all i'm not like oh screw this guy i'm never going to talk to him it's like okay I'm going to wait. I'm going to make sure I'm there when he's ready to be there um, and and lay a foundation. But also, you know, some of the coolest stuff has happened where, you know, maybe this guy really isn't interested, but he still comes and meets with me once a month because that's, like, that's how our program is run. And then, you know, one of his buddies swings by my office and he's like, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm running up to Hannah's real quick. And he's like, oh, I'll just tag along, like whatever. And he's standing at the window frame or he's walking by the door and overhears a conversation because sometimes the doors open because it's just casual banter about um, like certain things routines something that's not super private and all of a sudden like one of the coolest things that happened to me is this guy got up and left and a player had walked by who we really didn't have these conversations with and like almost like backtracked back to the to the room and was like what were you guys talking about about like resetting after a bad swing or something and I was like come on in like somebody who like you know but if I hadn't cared about him. If I hadn't like worked on just the base relationship, I don't know if he would have, if he would have done that. Like if I would have just poo pooed him off and like not talked to him, I don't think he would have stopped and done that. So it's almost just giving yourself the groundwork so that when they're ready, you're there. And and there's again, no judgment. Who cares if they're ready or not? Like you be ready regardless. So I tried to use video a
0: a lot, video with successful players in the program. And so it might be a, a year or two ahead where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about routines and here's a pretty good example of a player who had a lot of success in our program and here's how he did it uh to where maybe show some examples of of people that had success doing some of these things and yeah, the peer awesome. group part is is amazing you know it they want to they want to be part of however they're getting success so if it is mm-hmm. that it's an easy way to to get them in on it
1: 100% and i think that comes back to the culture, right? And that's what we're trying to build with the Phillies is like, if you're a Philly, you're going to go get mental performance coaching. Like it's not it's not mental health, it's mental performance. And just like every one of you is going to go to the weight room, every one of you is going to work on your nutrition, every one of you is going to work on your mental performance too. Because worst case scenario for me is physically you work your tail off, you get to the big leagues, you get your opportunity and you fall flat on your face mentally. You're not prepared, whether it's because anxiety took over, your nerves took over, you panic, whatever it is, you weren't prepared mentally. And then when I say that, they're like, and I'm like, yeah, could you imagine that? Like, so imagine how hard you're working physically, make sure you're working somewhat close to that mentally, you know? And I mean, I don't ask for a whole lot, but like, let's just like a little piece of your day, like five minutes of your day, journaling, meditation, routines, intentions, purpose, right? Anything. Let's make sure we're, we're working on that to some extent.
0: How much time with the minor leaguers that might get called up? Are you doing mental imagery with like, okay, here's what it looks like when you're in Philly stadium. Like here's what it looks like when you're at the Nats. Like, are you doing some of that stuff with them as well as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've done some, um, some like pretty broad group stuff, but, um, with the guys who like are really into imagery, because so imagery to me is a very advanced skill and, um, it's people want to do it, but people don't want to do the work to do it because in order to do imagery, like you have to invest like time, you have to invest all the senses. You have to like, it's just like going to practice, but instead of physically practicing, you're mentally practicing. And like, it's not a two minute thing. It's, it could be a 30 minute thing. And, and so I really have to kind of pick and choose who I think is a good candidate for that. But for the guys who are like bought in and want to do it, like, absolutely. We've, we've um, had them actually walk out onto the dirt and envisioned what they would see and their first outing. And um, it's really cool. It's really cool when they're bought in and they're willing to do it. It's like the coolest part of my job. Yeah. When
0: they come out, it's like, it's like a whole new world for them when they come out of it. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's, it's very cool.
0: What recommendations did you have for people who can't turn it off away from the field? Like they take that competitiveness Mm -hmm. that that makes them successful on the field and maybe have a hard time turning it off away from the field.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, And I'm a huge advocate for turning it off because I believe, you know, if you do anything for 24 seven, like you're going to go nuts. Like even if you're with your favorite person in the whole world for 24 seven, you're like, I'm going to need a break. Um, Hence quarantine. I'm sure we've all experienced a little bit of that. But Um, it's, we got to get a hobby and if you're having a hard time turning it off, give yourself the opportunity to get it all out. Okay. Whether that's journaling, whether that's venting to a spouse, to a mental skills coach, to a coach, to a teammate, get it out. Don't hold anything back. Okay. And hopefully when I say mint, I mean like 15 minutes, I don't mean like five hours. Okay. Like get it all out, get out everything you did wrong get out the adjustments you want to make, get out the drills you want to work on tomorrow, be however specific you want to be. And then once you've got it all out, because I'm and we've had these conversations, I'm like, is that it? Anything else? Keep going. What else? What else are you mad about, right? Get it all out because sometimes just saying it helps kind of shut it off. But once you get it out and you somewhat come up with a plan or an idea for tomorrow, it's easier to turn it off. But if you just let it linger and like keep thinking about one thing and then an hour later think about another thing, Versus, okay, you know what? An hour later at night pop into your head, but hey, yep, that was really annoying. I already got the plan for what I'm gonna do tomorrow. Go do something, do a hobby, which is why I'm not like, I'm not a huge um, no-video-games person because I think video games can get you out of, out of baseball.
0: Yes, like, for sure. allows you to check out whatever's going to allow you to check out. You know, Jamie Carroll was my college roommate, played 11 years in the big leagues. He specifically would live like 20 minutes away from the ballpark, so he would have his drive time to decompress. But then he got into graphic arts. He's really talented with graphic arts, which he didn't do any of that in college, but he picked yeah. that up as a hobby in the minors and then in the big leagues, to just a way to just decompress and get away from it.
1: That's awesome. That's so awesome. And and I I truly don't care what your hobby is as long as it's not affecting your performance negatively. Okay, i.e. heavy drinking every night, right? Whatever. Yep. Self medicating is um, not a
0: not a way. Yeah. It might it might exactly. sustain you for a bit, but you want to talk 100%. about adding anxiety to a person like self medicate for a while. That ang- anxiety is going to get a lot worse at some point. Hundred
1: percent you're slapping a band-aid, you're not fixing the problem. So, um, but I mean, we've, we've got puzzles, we've got Netflix, we even dabbled in like a reading club, like everybody go get a book and like, we'll read it. Like we have, and video games are big Netflix, like whatever, like, but find some kind of an outlet. And what's cool in, in like Facebook, especially when you get into the, um, upper levels of minor leagues and the big leagues is, you know, your nights are booked. And so usually it's your morning. And so like, you don't have to be to the, at the ball field till noon, 11, between 11 and one-ish, you know, sometimes even later if you're a starting pitcher or whatever. But um, what are you doing with your mornings, right? Like, so, so usually shutting down and then you go home and you go to bed and then you wake up. Are you thinking about that game? Like, okay, so how do we how do we kind of get you on the right track in the mornings? hundred uh, A hundred times I'm recommending mindfulness in the morning to start your day. Like get to the day instead of being stuck in yesterday. Um, and then like have a cup of coffee, do some yoga, go on a walk. Like, I don't care what it is, but we got to have something and like, let's play around with it a little bit. Like, Hey, today I did this, Hannah hated it. Okay. We're not doing that again. Hey, did this kind of liked it. Let's run with it for a week and see how it goes from there. So it's a lot of trial and error and figuring out what works best for you and how you respond to different things in the best way and how, whatever you did this morning clearly got you into a good headspace today for the game. So go back. What the heck did you do this morning? Do you even know what you did this morning? And and let's see if we can, if it was healthy and a good thing, let's see if we can replicate that and, and incorporate it into your game day routine.
0: How can we correct when our default is to complain or make excuses?
1: Um, first, you have to create awareness because most of the time we're creating excuses. We don't even realize we're creating excuses, um, which sucks because what's holding you back is you and you may not even be able to see it. And so I actually think that's where mental skills coaches come in and that's where coaches come in and they kind of help you look in the mirror and are like, okay, there's, there's been three bad outings. Now, is it still the umpire? Is it still this? Is it still the catcher? Whatever it is, you know, like, is it still that, or is it time to finally look inside, which is, it's a really hard skill to learn if you're already there in the big leagues and you haven't learned that yet, which is why one of the first skills we teach is evaluation is self-awareness, which for me, number one skill, anything besides getting in the present moment, which getting in the present moment starts with building awareness, but you have to be aware. I always say you can't grow if you don't know. You can't change, you can't adjust if you don't know what's going on up here. And so step one is creating that awareness and with awareness comes better self-evaluation skills. Yeah. And to me, the best of the best for the majority are really good self-evaluators. They're able to see like, okay, this is what I do when things are going well and this is what i do when things aren't going well so how do we do more of that and less of this um or or owning it right you see guys after interviews after their game like that was me that was all me that was nobody else that was my fault like good if that's appropriate that's good self-evaluation right but it's not just yeah i had a good game or i had a bad game it's so much more than that and i think it's coaches jobs to really make sure they're we're dissecting that and making sure their definition of a good game is a good game and their definition of a bad game is a bad game because usually it's not as bad as they think it is. And sometimes it's not as good as they think it is, right?
0: We had a post-game inventory for them as an option. We didn't tell them they had to do it, but it was a part of the time management planner that we gave them. They yeah. had a post-game inventory in there that they could fill out after games if they needed to journal or get anything off their chest and also find out what they're doing right. I think that's yeah. a, a big one is... With all your routines, find out what's really working for you and then just try to hammer it when it's it's going well for you and stay consistent with that part of it.
1: And write it down so you have something to come back to. So when you are slumping or something's not going wrong, you go back, you open that page and you're like, oh shoot, I forgot I was doing this because some of the biggest problems are like, I can't tell how many times that happened. Guys are like, why did I stop doing that? I'm like, because you have a lot of things going on in your mind because you have 12 different people telling you 12 different things constantly, which are all good things but you have to know what are your pillars? What are the things that you absolutely have to do in order to produce your best performance? And sometimes it's writing it down and going back and be like, shoot, yes. I forgot I did that. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times that happened. And so I think that's our job to help them rem- remember. And like, that's just from a conversation. They're like, oh, yeah, I used to do that. And I'm like, did it work? And I'm like, I think so. And they're like, Let, go do it right now. So it's, It's cool. Sometimes Mine was my progressive
0: muscle relaxation audio that I had got from high school and carried it with me. But when I stayed consistent with listening to that at night and during the day, my performance was way better. I
1: love that. That's awesome. Uh,
0: You talked about slowing down, but what are some tips um, to get yourself going when you don't feel like it? I mean, that's what you talked about with Mm -hmm. slowing down, but what are some other tips to maybe if, if we're not feeling it to get ourselves going?
1: Yeah, you know this is a very like individualized question, right? Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's I need to talk to a family member. Sometimes it's I need to dance. Gosh, we have guys making TikToks, right? I don't care, like. I, but and sometimes it's um, you know doing a a word puzzle or doing a some kind of mind thing to get your mind focused, right? Um, we have the one through a hundred graph where they have to go find one, two, three, yeah. and how fast they can do that. Um, but it's totally up to you. And and most of the time I ask guys that question, they know the answer. And so like, you know, if you're listening to this, like, and you're down, what do you do to bring you back up? Like, do you go on a little jog? Do you get a five minute pump in? Do you do some push ups? Like, do you act really silly and, and are more vocal than you usually are? Or are you a little more quiet than you usually are, right? Maybe you bring it down a notch to get you pumped up and excited for the game or whatever it is. Um, but it, there's not one right answer for everybody. And I think sometimes people think, oh, well, this person does that. So maybe I need to do that. When the reality of it is you have to figure out what works for you. And I think that's the most fun and also the most challenging part of our jobs being mental performance coaches is there's no one cookie cutter answer on how to build confidence or how to get excited or how to handle nerves. It's all what works best for you. And I mean, there's been crazy things that we implement and there's been textbook by the book things that we do that work. And it's all a matter of figuring out what, combination of that works best for you in order to get into that but my personal favorite is self-talk and and like power posing I lo- like before a big talk or something I'll go into the mirror and I'll be like here we go like me and me it's me and me right it's me and me and, and that that works for me and I know that's worked for a couple of our guys too so that's a good one too
0: is it okay to use extrinsic motivation I know we're, we're trying to to do it inside but can we use extrinsic things to get ourselves going for motivation
1: for sure I mean uh, Long term, maybe not like, right. Long term, you really want to have that intrinsic motivation because intrinsic motivation is what's going to get, keep you in the game for a long time. It's like, but right here, right now you need a little pop of something like, yeah. Okay. I do this. I hate going to the grocery store. It's literally, I don't know why, but it's like right now in my life is just the bane of my existence. So if I go to the grocery store, my favorite little restaurant is right by the grocery store. And so for me, it's like, okay, if you go to the grocery store, you get to go to your favorite restaurant afterwards, right? Extrinsic motivation, extrinsic reward costs $12 for me to eat there. But I'm like, I'm literally giddy that I get to go there. And so I think, I think when, when appropriate and in small amounts, totally fine. I think it can have, it can have good results, but again, long-term longevity, you really want to try to pull out that, like, why are we actually really doing this? Um, And why is this important to me?
0: That was part of that behavior mod class when I tracked my sleeping is I I set up rewards for myself. So if I did certain things and hit my checkpoints, then I rewarded myself. I I think that gets lost in the shuffle with people trying to make changes is they don't reward themselves enough. And if they screw up, then they completely beat themselves up and then it gets hard for them.
1: Yeah. Well, that goes to my philosophy of you have to be your biggest fan and your biggest critic because, and I think, I think when you get to the professional level, like guys are really good at being their own biggest critic. Like you can always find all the things that are wrong, but they're not good at all at noticing the things they are doing well, which is dangerous. Like it may not seem like a big deal. You're like, oh, whatever. Like, okay, yeah, I had a good game. But if you're constantly upset, pissed off, not quote unquote performing at your best, finding all the things you're doing wrong and that's all you're looking for, that's gonna create hatred towards the game. That's gonna create like, animosity toward, like, you're not even going to want to come to the field. Well, even when things are good, they're
0: not good for, for, exactly. for guys that handle that or girls that handle that, even when it's going really well, it's still not good enough. And they yeah. just end up making themselves miserable.
1: And, and you're going to truly hate the game that you once loved. And then you're going to burn out and people are going to be like, what happened to this person? Nothing was ever good enough, which is scary because like, of course, to get to the best of the best to be a hall of famer, you have to have this mentality of like always growing and nothing ever is good enough. But like, at the same time, you may never freaking make it because you get in your own way. And so that's, that's a hard message to hit home. Like, again, like being your biggest fan, like that's incredibly challenging, especially for men going back to the men box of like, nothing's ever good enough. I can always get better. Right. It's like, I don't even mean like being the person in the clubhouse, like running around, like, look at me, look at me. Right. I mean, like at the end of the day, brushing your teeth, getting ready for bed and you look yourself in the mirror and you just like, are like. Heck of a day to day. Well, like, savor those
0: moments. That's a big one. Lori yeah. Santos, she runs the Happiness Lab and she she has a free course on on coursera.org from Yale. That's one of the ones of developing intrinsic happiness is like savor it when it's good. Like those those yeah. really cool moments where you do something really well, you win a game or you have a great, just really try to just sit back and savor it and enjoy yeah. it. And then yeah, flush it and move on, but really try to savor yeah. those great moments.
1: Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but I was listening, it was probably a year or two ago, but they worked so hard and all they wanted to do was win the World Series, right? Actually, this was this was probably a while ago. I, I heard the story a couple years ago. Um, but they won, they won, ended up winning the World Series, and like I think the manager like got the ring and like was excited for about a minute. Yeah. And was, like, it's, like, this right, is it. Hedonic adaptation.
0: It's like, oh, this is it.
1: Back to the drawing board tomorrow to start for next season. And I'm like, what like this is all we've been talking about for a year like and and we give it a minute like so i and i don't know what the answer to that is besides like forcing yourself to really just be in that moment which goes back to awareness and present moment because if you're in that moment you're you're going to be able to savor that moment better than if you're too busy thinking about past or future thinking so but oh what a skill to have in life like if you can really learn to savor the good moments in life like what a skill
0: say we have a youth player or youth parent or coach listening in, where's a good place for them to start?
1: Have fun. Have fun as long as you freaking can. Like even, even this is so bad, but even my softball team, like we would be on the road and like, you know, it was long day. We're on a nine hour bus ride and we drive past like a little league park and there's a bunch of little softball players and baseball players out there. And our joke on the thing is like quit while you can, right? Because it's like, it becomes this thing because like fun gets sucked out of it at some point. Like it's so bad. I'm like, I hope my coach never hears that, but if you're listening to this and offended, like that's a real thought, like that is an absolutely real thought, which we said in the beginning, we wanted to be real. And so it's like, just have freaking fun. And if you're going to encourage or praise something, encourage or praise the things that they actually have control over. Don't encourage a home run, encourage, that they struck out. And then after they struck out, they came up to bat with a, with a good attitude, the second at bat, yeah. like encourage the, the tangible things that they can see and that they can, because what you make important, they make important, but also have freaking fun. Be a and great be teammate.
0: Um, That's a great place to yeah. start. Be a great teammate in the dugout and enjoy, and stay consistent. enjoy exactly what's going on in the game. Be a great teammate. Yeah. Enjoy that part of it. Um,
1: mental, you'll have plenty of time to work on mental skills because, I mean, I've worked with 10 and 11 year old boys and I'm like, <laughs> no way you're going to understand this. Like, and that's okay. They're not ready yet. And and like people would argue that they are. And I mean,
0: breathing routines, levels. like yes. that's a place you start like, with what? the, with the youngsters yeah. is, is help them develop inbox and mound routines. That's yeah. a place you can start with the the youngsters is teach them how to breathe properly have them do it before they get in the box or before they throw a pitch. That's a good place to start with the peak performance yeah. side of things with the yeah. youngsters. Yeah. So. Don't
1: try too hard. Have
0: who was your favorite coach as once. a player? You played a million sports growing up. So who was
1: your favorite coach? Ooh, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to say coach Amy. She was our assistant coach um, on my softball team in college. And she was just, she was the real person. She was real. She was honest. She would tell you like it was, even if you didn't want to hear it, but she was also our biggest supporter too. Like nobody was more pumped besides like you and her for you. So she was just, she was just all around awesome. And we still talk to this day. And like, of course we couldn't like, you know, drink or anything in college, but as soon as we graduated, she was like, you, me, we're going to get a beer together. You know, it was just like a cool, like she was so awesome, like a mentor and, but like could push us in the same way and held us to a high standard. But Didn't let us get away with anything either, so she was awesome.
0: I would hug players when I was at Iowa. I was the hitting coach. If they hit a home run, I would hug them when they came in the dugout. Like we celebrated. Like it was just a great moment. And other coaches loved it. Like Ben Greenspan's at Arizona State. They were at Indiana at the time, and we were hanging out. He goes, "Hey, by the way, I love the fact you you hug the guys when they hit a home run." I'm like, "Well, it doesn't happen very often for us in this ballpark, so we have to like celebrate."
1: So we're definitely when that happens
0: (laughs) for for sure.
1: I love it. If you
0: could go back and tell your playing self one thing, what would it be?
1: Um, I think I kind of already gave this answer, but I would say be your own source of confidence. Stop looking down the third baseline at the head coach to, to make you feel good. It's not going to make you feel good. The only thing that's going to make you feel good is you. So if you want to feel a certain way, produce it yourself.
0: Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something that you thought was going to sidetrack you and then you look back 12 months later and figure out it might have been one of the best things that had ever happened to you?
1: Um, for sure. So my freshman year, I was actually playing basketball and then I switched sports and started playing softball. And in the moment, I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I didn't understand why it was happening. I didn't know. How to handle it i bawled my eyes out for weeks on end you know could not figure out what the path was and now like there i, I don't know if i'd be working in baseball had i not gone and started playing softball again like maybe i would have and everything would have been fine but i think having softball on my resume um definitely helped get my foot in the door with baseball so i didn't understand it then but and i i'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason every single thing I am too. good bad horrible incredible. I am too it's going to lead to, it's all part like, of the like, fabric.
0: It's all part of the journey, the ups, the downs, Even though you don't
1: understand it. You may not understand it for five, 10, 15 years. Yep. Like there's things that probably I still don't understand, but I, I am just a believer that everything's going to work out for, for a greater good. So
0: any resource recommendations uh, could be book podcast research on, on the X-Fizz side, and then maybe the psych side or peak performance side.
1: Um, I always um, tell people to go check out the ASP website. It's AASP. So it's the um, Association of Applied Sports Psychology. That's a great place to start. Um, They have a ton of links and scholarly articles um, on mind, body, behavior, um, and APA too. Um, Those are both kind of my my go-to recommendations. um, Yeah, for both of those, for websites and stuff and articles.
0: Besides working out, any other re- routines that you like, evening or morning routines that you feel like help you?
1: Um, at night, I write out my plan for the next day. I so do I too. write out priorities, schedule, and goals for the next day. Helps me sleep better, helps me wake up. Brain dump. Like I call it a planet. brain
0: dump. I dump my right. brain out before I put you know. my head on the pillow.
1: And I have a notepad um, by my bed to wake up because they'll pop into my head at the most random moment. So that too.
0: What final thoughts do you have?
1: Nothing. These are really good questions.
0: I appreciate <laughs> it. like I try like yeah. i I told you that I texted you that I, I love that you came on, but like these are my favorite ones, um yeah. because it meant so much to me as a player. It meant so much to me as a coach. I, these are my favorite ones, the peak performance ones because they can help anybody and not, and you're a good example. It's not just about athletes. you've helped people yeah. outside the the sporting arena develop these skills to help them perform better on their job but also ha- lead healthier lives too like it, it all yep. it's all part of it it's a great example 100% of it. yeah. 100% it's awesome well I th- can't thank you enough for being here so thanks Hannah
1: yeah thanks for having me Ryan see ya
0: thanks again to Hannah for jumping on with me she's a much needed voice in the peak performance arena I wish her the best of luck with the start of spring training you can follow her on Twitter at Hannah underscore Hughesman or Instagram at Hannah Hughesman. Like I said in the intro, her mental sweat Mondays are a breath of fresh air. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West and the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter at coachb__abca, Instagram at ryanbrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.